0: Welcome back to Bitcoin Builders. Today, we are doing a primer on the great builder debate that is happening in Bitcoin right now. Of course, we are talking about drive chains, BIP three hundred and three hundred one. and 301. This primer is designed to help you figure out what you think about this opportunity for Bitcoin. Bitcoin Builders is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated entirely to Bitcoin and Lightning startups. You can learn more and find out about the program at WolfNYC.com. It's Saturday, September 2nd. This is Bitcoin Builders. Let's go. All right, friends, welcome back to Bitcoin Builders. We will be coming back soon with our regularly scheduled interviews, but the conversation this week that has dominated Bitcoin is more interesting for the purposes of this show than the average Bitcoiner squabble that happens on Twitter. That is, of course, because at core are not just questions of which Bitcoiners like which other Bitcoiners, but instead, what Bitcoin should be used for, who should be able to build what on top of it. And so the goal today is to give you a very basic overview, an overview of what's being proposed, who's proposing it, and what the various sides surrounding it think. So what we are talking about is Bitcoin Improvement Proposal 300 and its partner BIP301. These proposals are intended to enable a feature known as a drive chain. The feature would allow developers to create layer 2 protocols known as sidechains, which can send and receive Bitcoin balances from the base layer. Proponents of sidechains say that they would allow more experimentation and development within the Bitcoin community. If you have a radical idea that you want to try out which involves changes to the Bitcoin protocol, that concept can be implemented on a sidechain. This is, of course, a much simpler task than convincing the Bitcoin community to make changes to the underlying base layer. Now, in addition to enabling easier innovation on Bitcoin, supporters of the proposal say the economic benefits could be significant. Sidechains would pay transaction fees to the existing Bitcoin miner network. If there's a large amount of revenue generated on sidechains, this could be a boon for miners without adding the strain of extra transaction volume to the base layer. In that way, then, sidechains could also function as a scaling mechanism. Now, detractors, on the other hand, have a range of objections, many of which we'll get to on the course of this show. But one of the loudest complaints is that sidechains would enable altcoins, DeFi, and all manners of other crypto functionality to happen on Bitcoin-based networks. The issue, to those who take issue with this, is that it could introduce all of the risks, scams, and misaligned incentives that we've seen demonstrated across the broader crypto ecosystem. Now, the idea of sidechains on Bitcoin is not a new one. But the key difference with BIP300 is that it would introduce drive chains via a soft fork. This means the upgrade to the Bitcoin protocol would be backwards compatible. Users would be able to continue running older versions of Bitcoin validation software on their nodes, while those that want to opt into the new feature set could upgrade. The last soft fork introduced to Bitcoin was the Taproot upgrade in November 2021. You'll remember that less than 3% of the nodes on the network upgraded to support Taproot in the following years, until ordinals created a differentiated use case to drive those upgrades. Now, the last time a major Bitcoin hard fork was launched was back in 2017, with multiple groups setting up rival blockchains in the wake of the block size wars, including Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Gold. This, of course, gets to the key benefit of a soft fork, allowing a new feature set to be introduced without needing to achieve complete consensus within the community and risking groups dissenting and splintering off into their own blockchain. Now, the specifics of what BIP 300 and 301 would introduce are important to understand some of the technical risks so let's dig in just a little bit more granularly. The changes in Bit300 would enable a two-way peg between Bitcoin held on the base layer and Bitcoin held on sidechains. Bitcoin would be sent to a special address on the main chain, and then credited on the sidechain in that network's native token. Withdrawal transactions use a similar process on the sidechain but with one big caveat. Due to finality and security concerns, a lengthy wait time for withdrawals is required. That's currently proposed at 13,150 blocks or around six months. That's obviously a staggeringly large amount of time, so implies either patient individual users or service providers interacting with the withdrawal mechanism. The key advantage of this method of bringing funds to a sidechain is that it could be done trustlessly using on-chain addresses. Bitcoin locked in a bridging address would only be accessible by prolonged consensus among miners, rather than by the use of private keys. Now, BIP or BIP301 is the companion proposal and introduces blind merged mining for sidechains. Regular merged mining is when a miner reuses their hash power across multiple blockchains that use a common cryptographic structure. For example, Dogecoin and Litecoin share a similar hashing algorithm, so generated hashes can be submitted to both blockchains simultaneously. Merged mining does, however, require a miner to run a full node of each blockchain they wish to hash for. In the Bitcoin context, blind merged mining would enable Bitcoin's hashing power to secure the transactions on a sidechain without running its node software. Instead, a separate sidechain user would construct blocks for the sidechain and collect the fees associated with those transactions. The sidechain user would then quote-unquote buy the right to find this block from a conventional Bitcoin miner. Now, if that feels very technically deep, don't worry. I just wanted to include the very basics of it so that you at least had a little bit of familiarity. So who is proposing these changes? Well, in addition to there being controversy around the functionality of drivechains, there are also some concerns about who's proposing the change and the incentives surrounding it. Paul Stork is the driving force behind DriveChain and has been advocating for this implementation of sidechains in one form or another since 2015. He's developing the technology underpinning sidechains through his company, Layer 2 Labs. The startup raised a $3 million seed round from Angel Investors in December of last year. Now, earlier this week, as part of these discussions, there was some scuttlebutt that Roger Ver was invested in Layer 2 Labs, but Stork has denied that Ver is on board as an investor. If you are newer to the Bitcoin space, Ver is, of course, an early Bitcoiner who was one of the key advocates for increasing the Bitcoin block size during the block size wars and later went on to be a key backer of Bitcoin Cash. Now, the details around Stork's company and its planned products are, in my estimation, fairly unimportant to understanding the controversy surrounding drive chains in the sense that there would be controversy no matter who was proposing it. But the key takeaway is that there is a central figure pushing for this change and the success of his startup is contingent on the BIPs being adopted. Now, the other major figure in this controversy is Luke Dash Jr. Dash Jr. was one of the original Bitcoin Core developers. He published the first paper on the topic together with Adam Back and Matt Corallo in 2014, entitled Enabling Blockchain Innovations with Pegged Sidechains. More recently, Dash Jr. was an outspoken critic of Ordinals, arguing that NFTs, meme coins, and other forms of, you know, crypto tomfoolery have no place on the base layer. Dash Jr. authored the most recent versions of the BIP300 and BIP301 commits, and was the developer who figured out how to enable drive chains as a soft fork rather than a hard fork. That said, the proposals cannot be implemented as they stand, so they would need some additional work before being added to the codebase. And Luke has also said that, quote, despite providing and continuing this implementation, I myself do not thereby endorse or otherwise comment on the proposal itself. Paul has made it clear that his startup did work with Luke in a financial capacity on these proposals. On August 28th, he tweeted, L2L did financially support Luke for his work, we are proud to do so. Furthermore, we have a clear understanding that Luke's working on the code did not necessarily imply any endorsement of BIP300 whatsoever. In fact, Luke has been clear that he is neutral on DriveChain, which I prefer. Let's move now to the substance of the arguments for and against. The argument in favor of enabling sidechains is fairly straightforward. The idea of being able to implement important features from throughout the crypto ecosystem without changing the base layer of Bitcoin is for many a tantalizing proposition faster blocks, bigger blocks, lower fees, NFTs, smart contracts, DeFi, stablecoins. All would theoretically be possible to do on a sidechain secured by Bitcoin's security model without modifying the Bitcoin protocol. As Stork said, sidechains are kind of a holy grail upgrade to Bitcoin. We get every single feature we could want and even better, the features are all opt-in. Eric Wall tweeted, simply huge, most interesting development in Bitcoin since the first Ordinal. Now, another part of the narrative out of Stork's company has been the idea of ending the long tail of altcoins and bringing crypto innovation back home to Bitcoin. In a statement in December last year, Layer 2 Labs said they believe, quote, drive chains have the potential to revolutionize the way we use Bitcoin by enabling greater scalability, extensibility, privacy, and flexibility on the network. We believe that drive chains have the potential to kill altcoins, increase Bitcoin adoption, and provide the catalyst for hyper-Bitcoinization. Now, this is, of course, a narrative theme that has been around Bitcoin forever the idea that eventually all innovation that happens in the crypto ecosystem will find its way back to the most secure and the most decentralized chain. This year with the rise of ordinals has frankly provided some pretty good evidence in favor of that thesis, but the idea that sidechains would kill the demand for altcoins definitely also has its detractors. Pierre Richard, VP of Research at Riot Platform, said, DriveChains force a soft fork to kill altcoins' marketing somehow manages to be both anti-Bitcoin and anti-crypto, also pure hopium. It's a distraction, Jimmy Song said. Paul Stork has openly stated that drivechains will eliminate 99.9% of all coins. While the claim has been made, there is little evidence to support it. This means drivechains' value is as a technical playground, which undoubtedly has value, but prompts the question, is it worth implementing through a soft fork in Bitcoin? Now, some others had a more purely anti-altcoin take. Will Cole tweeted, "The premise of BIP 300 that Bitcoin is losing value to altcoins is nonsense." There is no value being created quote-unquote outside Bitcoin in the altcoin space. People do not create altcoins due to Bitcoin missing features. They create altcoins to enrich themselves. Drive chains don't change that. Alex Gladstein from the Human Rights Foundation was also unconvinced by the motives around the proposal, saying, My main question is why do people think altcoins would all of a sudden be issued on Bitcoin-based systems should this come to pass? So, so, so many altcoins are created primarily to enrich the issuers. Would it be easier to scam people on a drive chain? Still others noted that altcoins already exist on Bitcoin, questioning the need for the upgrade in the first place. Phil Geiger tweeted, you can already do shitcoins on Bitcoin in like five different ways. We don't need another way. And it's worth noting that while the Ordinals-enabled BRC20 standard might be a slightly absurd or at least very complicated and laborious way of doing altcoins on Bitcoin, other implementations of sidechains already exist. Stacks is one example, and although many have serious critiques of their model, particularly its degree of centralization, it's already functional right now with no further upgrades needed to Bitcoin. There was even controversy surrounding the upgradability path via opt-in soft forks. Now, Paul Stork argued that, quote, the soft fork was invented because it was too difficult to get full consensus on every change. It protects users from bad devs and bad software, no effort or expertise needed. Now, one of the critiques there is that we've seen with Taproot as a for example that changes to the Bitcoin protocol can come with unintended consequences. The same code change, for example, which improved the functionality of the Lightning Network, also enabled ordinals, which, if you listen to critics, are just about the worst thing to ever be introduced to a blockchain. The stakes are, of course, raised even higher when considering a soft fork that could make profound changes to miners' incentive model and potentially even the underlying economic structure of Bitcoin. Another concern that some have is that at its core, this change could shift Bitcoin away from being a monolithic blockchain with a very limited and tightly controlled set of functions to a playground of experimentation. Though the experimentation would happen inside chains, Bitcoin users might be hard-pressed to opt out of experiments they view as dangerous. Ari Paul from BlockTower gave this critique of soft forks, saying, Soft forks always seemed like centralized authoritarianism too oversimplified to me. Even if 90% of community rejects, minority can still effectively force change on network. Yeah, a user can still run their old client, but Bitcoin functions differently. The narrative of hard forks bad, soft forks good is exactly the opposite in my opinion. Since hard forks are voluntary and soft forks are effectively involuntary, at least some. Like with SegWit, we quote unquote tricked old nodes into accepting a very different Bitcoin protocol. Undermines the whole governance by exit idea of Bitcoin, in my opinion. Practically speaking, soft forks may be necessary for Bitcoin's success to overcome social friction of upgrades, but at a very high cost. Still others, like Checkmatey, the lead on chain analyst at Glassnode, had a more blissful take about the beauty of soft forks as an inherently slow and messy way to improve Bitcoin. He tweeted, Bitcoin rough consensus is beautiful, almost 15 years in and several soft forks along the way, and we still do not know the process for forming, agreeing to, and activating consensus changes. Feature, not a bug. Nobody is in control, and that is the whole point. It can be improved, people simply need to be patient. The block subsidy exists to allow us to think and act slow, steady, and make the correct decisions. And what I really think at core, holding aside all the specifics, the debate so far has really been about is this question of what the purpose of Bitcoin is supposed to be. And of course, in many ways, this is a continuation of a conversation that has come up most recently in the context of ordinals. Peter McCormick tweeted, Is it me or do the same people who want drive chains also wanted ordinals? Just an observation, almost like liberal Bitcoin versus conservative Bitcoin. Peter also added that for his part, he sided with conservatism in this case. There were plenty of others who also agreed with that conservative style take. Marty Bent tweeted, I think exploring everything at our fingertips that has been enabled because of upgrades like SegWit and Taproot before having discussions about Contentious soft forks is the best route forward. Stefan Labera said, Some people pretend that they want functionality, but really they want seniorage. Samson Mao said, Every six months or so, something urgently needs to be changed in Bitcoin or something scammy is advertised as important for Bitcoin. It's never the case. Swan's Corey Clipston says, One potential downside of drive chains... Having lots of scams on Bitcoin will make people and regulators understandably think Bitcoin is full of scams. Haldanat says BIP-300 enables more frictionless entry into scams than using exchanges. But then the counterpoint to this conversation was also present. Jameson Lopp, the CTO at Casa, said, Troubling argument floating around lately that new functionality shouldn't be added to Bitcoin because it would enable scams. That logic could be extended to block pretty much any innovation. This is the double-sided nature of tooling. It can be harnessed for good and evil. Lopp also tweeted, you can't allow yourself to be ruled by a fear of unknown unknowns. Sometimes folks hit analysis paralysis by trying to determine all possible effects related to a decision. Truly, I tell you, both action and inaction can carry unknowable consequences. David Bailey, the CEO of Bitcoin Magazine, said, BIP300 would improve Bitcoin builder culture infinitely. It would end 90% of the politics. New BIPs could be tried as a drive chain without changing the base layer. Developers and new ideas would 1000x. Zach Voll tweeted, A lot of the people who used to predict everything will be built on Bitcoin are now yelling, stop trying to build on Bitcoin. Now, ultimately, this is part of a much larger conversation. And at the risk of being overly optimistic and positive about it, I think the fact that we've had so many contexts this year in 2023 to ask the fundamental questions of what we want Bitcoin to be about, what we want the boundaries to be, what we want to enable and how how new decisions and developments might influence who build on bitcoin and what they build these are good debates to have i think it's eminently reasonable for people to be advocating for more space for builders to experiment especially in ways that they see as not threatening to the base chain and the core functionality i also see it as eminently reasonable for people whatever they might have felt before to have now come around to the decision that the very core very simple functionality that Bitcoin already has, or basically already has, is the thing that they want to preserve and protect at all costs. An arch conservatism based on what they see as the important part of this system. I think when you clear away some of the recriminations and more colorful language that you see on Twitter, these really core questions are what this debate is about. And in that way, I think it's incredibly productive and healthy to be had. Hopefully this show has given you a bit of a better sense of what's going on here, and perhaps help giving you the tools to start wading into the conversation yourself. I'm sure it's something we will continue to discuss, probably with guests and other builders in the weeks to come. But for now, that is going to do it for today's show. I want to say thanks once again, one more time to my sponsor, In Wolf's Clothing, Wolf, the first startup accelerator for Bitcoin builders. Go check them out at wolfnyc.com. Until next time, let's build.